Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, my friend, and welcome. I'm Daryl Urbanski, and today I have something special for you. What you're about to hear today isn't part of what we usually do. Today, I'd like to spend some personal time with you and for us to get to know each other better. So to start, I'll be sharing some of my life stories with you, plus introducing you to some of the grandfathers of my business acumen. In fact, the next few weeks, I'll be introducing you to the grandfathers of my education, plus you're going to get select never-released recordings of people interviewing me where I give some of my best business and life advice ever. We all learn from various people, various people we know for various amounts of time. Some people we share just a single impactful moment together. Others, a full weekend. And some of us have people in our lives who have always been there, always guiding us, and always sharing our paths. Well, I would like to share some of these people who have guided me with you. Your life really can change based on the things you learn and the people you meet. So please enjoy this special series of classic and never-released recordings in this 10-part interview series. Enjoy. All right. Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Daryl Urbanski and today I have got a phenomenal guest for you guys. It's very, very, very much an honor for me to be kind of having the shoe on the other foot and being having a chance to interview him. Uh, today our guest is Ken McCarthy, a man many tout to be the godfather of internet marketing. Um, he's definitely been a uh, uh, a mentor and someone that I've I hold in high esteem myself. But back in 1994, he put on the very first internet marketing seminar with uh, Mark. Uh, was it Andreessen, uh, the the man who created Netscape, the world's first internet browser. And since then, Ken and his system seminars continue to just really be a pioneer in the internet marketing industry. Pretty much anyone you know who's a name in the IM space. Uh, has come through Ken's camp at some point. And not only that, but he's influenced the huge things that w right now are, we we take for granted, like the banner ad. I think that was, um, what was it? It was Rick, what's Rick's last name, Ken? Um, Boyce, Rick Boyce. Boyce. Rick, Rick Boyce. He's touted as uh, having invented the banner ad, but he gives Ken credit for even inspiring him to what was possible, and, and in fact that he came up with it, I think, at one of your system seminars. So just from direct response marketing to database marketing to the internet and traffic and conversion, Ken really is a pioneer, and he is someone that so many of us owe our careers, and just having um, been helped along the way, so many of us owe Ken, our deepest gratitude. So, Ken, thank you very much for joining me on the call today. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks. It's it's uh, it's great to be interviewed. 
Yeah, you're always interviewing other people. It's been years and years with the System Club, um, so it's probably been a while since anyone's interviewed you, eh? Yeah, I, actually, I, I love I love the interview process. I think it's a great way to to uh, get good information, uh, extract good information that otherwise might not get out. Yeah, and you're so good at that too. I mean, that was something I've been through your archive over and over and over, and it just amazed me the caliber of people you managed to connect with. And then exactly that, you were just really good with asking deep and probing questions. And like, what did you like? How did you even get started in that? What were you doing before you started getting involved in the online marketing world? Oh, me? Um, well, it's it's been so long. You know, it's it's now 21 years. Um, but going in, let's see, starting maybe, maybe starting from the beginning, uh, my first taste of marketing was, it was a really simple thing. It was just, uh, getting more girls to come to our, our school, high school dances. <laughs> That's very, very <laughs> passionate. Yeah, there was probably never a time when I had, was more motivated to succeed <laughs> with a, a marketing program. Um, and I went to an all-boys Catholic school. There are such things. And uh, uh, so the, the, the need to get girls to come to our dances was huge, you know. Right, of course. And um, I quickly did some demographic studies. Uh, didn't know what that meant and, you know, didn't know I was doing it. And quickly discovered, wow, there's a lot of all-girls Catholic high schools uh, in New York City. And um, so I just had my friends uh, get together. We made posters and, you know, you go to St. John Baptiste, you go to St. Mary's, you go, you know, and we, we put up the posters and the girls came. That's uh, awesome. We went from having like a one to two ratio against us, you know, right. two guys for every girl, which I'm telling you is a horrible thing, yep. <laughs> uh, to three to one in our favor, three girls for every guy, which I'll tell you is a great, great thing. thing. Yes. <laughs> That is awesome, yeah. No, I used to do security at nightclubs when I was 19 as a side thing, just to make my hang out with my friends. We could always tell if it was going to be an easy or a rough night, depending on the girl-to-guy ratio, so I know exactly what you're the talking girl about. girl-to-guy ratio, so... Um, excellent. Yeah, um, that, that, it's a, that's a very lucrative business, by the way, the nightclub business, if you, if you catch it right. Really, eh? Um, of, yeah. course you do have, of course, you do have a lot of expenses, like big security guys, to keep yeah. things straight. So what did you do after that? After you, you know, got really good with filling dances with pretty girls, um, <laughs> how did your marketing career progress? How did you, you know, sharpen your well, teeth and, and the, the, the next bit of marketing I did, and this is still while I was in school, this was when I was in college was promote concerts. And, um, uh, you know, I'm a big mm -hmm. jazz fan have been, you know, since I was in high school mm -hmm. and, uh, I used to bring, uh, jazz musicians to, uh, my campus and, you know, jazz was not, really popular in the 70s, late 70s when I was in college. Um, it was kind of, it looked like it was about to disappear to zero, um, but I didn't care. I loved it. And uh, so I'd bring guys down. But, you know, there's expenses. There's, you know, mm -hmm. you had to rent a hall. You had to um, uh, mm -hmm. get equipment. You know, rent. sometimes I had to rent a, a good piano for the good players. And mm -hmm. and so it was risky, um, but I just applied my, my marketing um, experience from high school. Um, and it's just, it was the same process. It's like, well, the show's going to start at 8, and there's no fooling around. You've either sold these tickets or you haven't. Uh, and that, that is a tremendous discipline, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially when you have – you know, a thousand dollars in nineteen seventy. You know, yep. seven dollars. Yeah, no, no, excuse me. Was it, yeah, late seventies. 
that was that was pretty big money. That's probably the equivalent of five thousand dollars today, believe it or not. Wow. Um, well, you could go to you could go to college. Uh, you could go to the best universities in the United States for eight thousand a year. Um, now they cost forty to fifty a year. So right. you know, there's been a bit of inflation. So anyway, thousand bucks was a lot of money. And if I failed, it was going to really hurt. So I made sure I didn't fail. So I always say to people that you know, um, live event promotion is a great way uh, to cut your teeth. Uh, because there's no hiding, you know, you've either, you've either filled the seats or you haven't. Mm, that's such a good, that's really good. That's a powerful lesson. Cause I think you're right. I think, especially in this day and age, it's easy for people to hide behind their computer screens. And I know for myself as well, that exactly once you said that, I was like, yeah, if I were promoting more live events, in fact, there was a couple of projects that I didn't want the pressure of promoting a live event because I was doing evergreen stuff. And for me, it's just easier to work with an evergreen thing. And as long as, you know, you're, you're, you're at a net profit, there's not that intense, like that fire, that deadline coming at you. So that's, that's a really powerful point. Yeah, you- I, I, live event, if I just can say this, I mean, live events are tough. They're tough to promote. They're tough to manage. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not easy. And yeah, if you can, if you can do it without that kind of pressure, the, the, the value of live events too, is it, it creates a debt, it creates deadlines. deadlines it, yeah. it, it helps you as a marketer. Yep. Because you know people can't say, "Well, I'll come to the concert tomorrow." Well, no, the concert's tonight. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's you know, and that just that's that that's the scarcity. You know, there's there's money yep. scarcity. There's also time scarcity. But yeah, I love evergreen stuff. Uh, you know, we don't need we don't need more pressure and stress in our lives. So if you can get around it, I think it's a good thing. Well, and that's one of the things. Though, like you're right, evergreen stuff is great and all that. But it's one of the things that I've really valued is you've been such a portal into the history of this industry, the history of marketing. And there's so many powerful lessons to be learned from understanding how things have evolved and understanding the lessons. And so even though now we live in a world where maybe like you know the whole live event deadline, like there's re- you know now instead of having to be at a physical place we can do it online and hey if you missed i can send you the replay and there's a lot of convenience there for us but i mean it it uh in some ways it it can make can make you lazy it can it can instead of enhancing your skills it can dampen them so well i mean you're you're a martial artist you know and and you know, you get instant feedback <laughs> when you're in the ring. Right. You, know, you you can't go in there and, you know, imagine that you did well when you didn't. Right. You know, right. you're pinned. <laughs> right, right, right. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and the, before the internet, that was marketing. There, You know, for instance, direct mail, which I did a lot of, um, you know, you're writing five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 checks to put put out a mailing mm-hmm. uh, and that's on the low end right yep. and you don't you don't know that that money's going to come back mm. um, and and you're you're only sending <laughs> maybe you know uh, you, you know if you're lucky maybe you're sending a thousand pieces in the mail mm. or, or or 500 pieces in the mail for you know, I mean so, I'm sorry for ten thousand dollars you might be sending only you know ten thousand pieces of mail or, or you right. know or, or slightly more um, you know, not right now, this, in fact, already this morning, I've sent out, oh my God, over a hundred thousand pieces of email. Uh, I do that every day. Uh, it costs me nothing. Yeah. You know, if I, if I get it wrong, it's like, I don't lose any sleep over it. What's the difference? Right. Um, right. by the way, I'm not a spammer. Just anybody thinks that, that, you know, I, I just happen to have a lot of businesses and we have a lot of, uh, subscribers that, that yep. we signed up for daily mailings. Yep. We have one list of, um, 
We have one list of 45,000. We have another one of, uh, uh, where are we on that one? 35,000. Uh, we have another list of 15. We have, and then we have some minor lists. So it adds up to a twice. And some of these guys get mail twice a day. So it's well over. I'm sending well over 100,000 pieces of mail every day, which in the, in the old physical world would have been like, oh. It would have been a huge operation. Oh, and my it, gosh. You have to cast of thousands just to get the envelope stuffed. And, yep. Mail delivered to the to the post office, and any sort of mistake, like now, like a link being broken, like an order form not being included, could have had if, could have had huge repercussions on your business. Oh yeah, and all kinds of crazy things happen in the mail. For example, you know, you weigh your mail. You know, the the postage is dependent on the weight, mm-hmm. and you weigh your mail uh, on a dry when it's dry, and then you're transporting it on a on a sort of a humid day <laughs> to the post office. Uh... It, it, the, Paper absorbs water slightly, on a, you know, and, and it can be just enough to put you over the edge. And you know, you bring five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. If you're a big mailer, or a hundred thousand pieces of mail, and the postman says, "Oh no, this is not uh, thirty-two cents. This is forty-eight cents." Well, <laughs> you're dead. You know, so it was just a very. Um, it's a, it was tough, and so it, it did make you very disciplined. It made you very focused. Mm. Now, how does that translate into the online world, that discipline and that focus and the lessons that you've learned and how you've seen them applied? I mean, what has been the kind of the, the what do you think are one of the main things that hold people back or what do you think held you back even in your early days of internet marketing, some of the breakthroughs that you've had and you've coached so many other people through in their careers. So when you talk about the discipline and the focus, how does that translate into marketing online uh, or even just marketing in this day and age? What? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, let me tell you, just let me start with what I think. And you re, you alluded to this early in the call, which is uh, studying the history of marketing and studying it widely. Uh, and, I, and I think this is the biggest problem that, that new or even intermediate uh, internet marketers have. I think most advanced internet marketers get this, but I think beginners definitely don't get this. And there's a lot of people that even are intermediate that don't get it, which is, you know, you, you cannot get all your marketing knowledge from the current, whoever the current flavor of the day internet marketing guru is. Um, that is a very narrow band, very narrow, limited spectrum of information. Um, you know, for instance, uh, you know, you know, you hear, oh, well, let's do the the triple somersault method. Oh my God, it's the best. It's the guy made a million in a day. Oh my, this is it, you know? <laughs> and right. so everybody's, everybody's flocking to the triple somersault method and uh, we're crushing it. And you know, it's, you know, all this stuff. Right. And, and basically what you're learning for your thousand dollars or your $10,000 or your $25,000 mastermind program is one very narrow little method. Um, and it's kind of like a guy that's never seen a car before. And somebody comes to his village in the jungle and, and shows him a hubcap. Right. And they're like, oh, my God. Wow. Oh, what is this thing? It's silver. It, it's got, you know, it shines. It's a, it rolls. Oh, my God. It's is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no, no. There's, there, you need four of them. And you need four tires. And you need axles. And you need a uh, transmission. And you need a steering wheel. And you need seats. And you need a car body. And you need an engine. And you need a carburetor. And, and on and on it goes. Right. It's not um, that simple. You're right. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are getting swept up in these, uh, th- these, these uh, you know, promotions uh, for things that, you know, they're interesting, they're valuable, they're good to know, 
but it's it's only just a narrow slice of the puzzle. And the irony is all the really good, deep stuff that you need to be a serious marketer is available at pretty low cost. Um, but you've got to do the work. You know, it's not you're not no one's going to entertain you. Um, and I think this is <laughs> it's part of the you know. People are very um, inclined to want to be entertained uh, as opposed to, um, you know, taking out a shovel and doing some of the digging themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they pay a huge price for that, not only in money, but in getting a narrow perspective. I can't tell you the number of people that I met. You know, first, you and I were at this amazing conference um, uh, just a few weeks ago yep. with uh, Dan Kennedy with uh, Jay Abraham uh, with Greg Renker of the the, the Gunthy Renker infomercial powerhouse, <laughs> yeah. just top yeah. gun guys. Yeah. And um, I ran into so many people that said, "Oh well, I'm I, I don't want to. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll just I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to 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 do my my launch. You know, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm gearing up everything for the launch. And it's like, what are you talking about? You, there's ten thousand things you can do right now." To, to expand your business and to put your business on a on a firm footing and get more sales and grow your grow your um, expand your reach uh-huh. and all this kind of stuff and and you you're, you're obsessed with this one heavily promoted uh, interesting but but you know why are you putting your business on hold while you're waiting to you know get the latest secrets of the latest doohickey you know it's like dude you don't need to wait. There's ten thousand things you can do right now today without having to go. I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to discourage anybody from buying, going to a seminar, or buying more information. I mean, it's all good, but be selective. Be, be, you know, business is buying and selling, right? That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. Yep. So, as internet marketers, um, you know, we're buying traffic one way or another, uh, either through our efforts or through buying, or literally buying the traffic, and then we're converting that traffic to more valuable customers. Yep. Um, well, the same thing comes with your information too. Um, you know, you've got to. You know, there's books for twenty bucks that are worth functionally worth a hundred thousand dollars, and there are programs that are like twenty five thousand dollars that are probably worth twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, and you know, it's yeah, it's so true. And sometimes people will pay so much more just to get that same information in a different format. So the you've you said that before, and I believe it so much that the, you know buying someone's book is probably one of the best investments you can make, because there's just so much so much value and content in a book, um, and people look, gloss that over. And a lot of people, like you said, they'll want to drop the twenty five thousand dollars for the direct access to the person that and, you know maybe that can be real benefit to you. But for a lot of people, they should have just started with the book. Um, yeah, you got to you got to you know you got to know where you're at, and and you know I started with no money. Um, in fact, I started with less than no money, um, and so I did. And, and, and luckily, you know, th- there wasn't anything that you know these these big programs weren't around. So it was like you had to do your own research. You had to mm. do your own thinking. You, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell people till the cows come home that one of the best books they could ever possibly get is uh, John Capel's Tested Advertising Methods fourth edition or earlier don't get the new fifth edition it's terrible but um that book which you can usually get for about 20 bucks um now that i've now that i've been at telling people over the years to get the fourth edition those fourth editions are starting to really disappear but that book is worth a hundred thousand dollars i'm just going to tell you but you got to get it you got to read it you got to 
you know, no, John Caples is not going to appear in a hologram in your living room and, and give you a, uh, a seminar on his work because he's dead. <laughs> and, and he also was not in the seminar business. He was in the business of writing amazing ads and, and making, you know, gazillions of dollars. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. I always tell people that the book you don't own, you can't read and the book you don't read can't help you. So that's exactly. Yeah. Right. And you know what? There's a program. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, it's close by. Sure. Sometimes, you know, reading, I, I, interestingly enough, I had a business uh, that taught speed reading and study skills years ago, and I had a chance to really observe people's reading over many, you know, a lot of people's reading over many years. Um, and you know what? Reading is, can be tiring. It, it has a, there's a physical component to it, mm -hmm. and um, some people actually have reading problems, which, you know, no shame. It's just, you know, there's some physical things related to the way the eyes move um, that some people have trouble with, believe it or not. Really? Um, oh, yeah. It's, and, and, yeah, that's it, a whole, that's a whole other hour. But, um, <laughs> but there's a program that I use. I got on my, uh, I, my iPhone called Voice Dream. And if you can somehow get a PDF version of a book, mm -hmm. uh, and I think you know you can get you, know, you can convert things to PDF. There's old methods to do that. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you download your PDF into this Voice Dream app, and an electronic voice uh, reads the book to you. Really, I like that. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm really tired and I'm I'm not tired enough to go to sleep, but I'm I still want to accomplish something, yeah. I'll just you know, turn this thing on and have uh, somebody read a book to me. Um, you don't have to. You don't have to wait around for the audio book or pay. You know, yeah. Pay. You just upload your PDF and away you go. That is yeah. brilliant, and that's called Voice Dream. I like Voice that. Dream. That's yeah, and awesome. I think it was. I think it was originally designed to help uh, uh, blind people. Really. Um, and then they discovered it, it really helps uh, kids who have. Um, you know, reading problems because one of the things it does is it is is it uh, shows the screen and then a yellow highlighter highlights each word as it's being read. Oh, yeah, I can see that. That'd be very very handy. So, so now let's let's apply this in here. So, speed reading and now voice dream trying to help you enhance your learning. Like how? So, obviously, learning is a huge component to being successful in in our businesses and online is that something that you felt ever held you back is that something you feel holds a lot of people back that they don't know the right things to do is it a lack of education is it a lack of resources is it a lack of a support network like even for yourself what was some of your great what was your greatest challenge in your business and how did you overcome it um okay good good question um huh. well there's like two questions in there three yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I always, I'll always say this too. No matter what's going on in your life, um, your biggest challenge is you. <laughs> mm. You know, and I've had I've had legitimate external problems. I had a you know a massive uh, injury to my spine that that you know really made life hard for me for for about five years. I mean, that was external, and it you know, but but you know what? The, the, the big problem was me and how I responded to it and dealing with it and getting my psychology adjusted to the situation and. That that ultimately was my biggest problem, you know, not not what happened or what my conditions are, but me. And I think that's the very first thing everybody should should take note of. You know, yeah, things happen, and conditions are rarely optimal. Um, uh, so you just got to deal with it. You know, I, I heard this great thing too, which is, uh, it may not be your fault, uh, but it's your responsibility. <laughs> got it. Yeah, like that. It's like, 
it's gonna, you know, you you may not have had anything to do with the bad situation that you're in, but it's entirely your responsibility to get yourself out of it. And another thing that I would use as a guiding principle uh, is something from Earl Nightingale, which is uh, everybody has problems. Uh, the difference is successful people solve their problems. You know, so I don't know what what problems you're facing, you know, our listeners or you, uh, Daryl or me, you know, um, I mean, I know what problems I'm facing. Um, but I, I do know this, that that's the game. The ultimate game here is solving problems. Uh, and that is this core psychology is it. Um, it's very interesting. I, I was just speaking of uh, voice dream. I was listening to the autobiography of uh, Benjamin Franklin last night. Ninety um, percent of which is boring as hell. <laughs> I got to tell you, he's like talking about stuff I just couldn't care about. But he, it's what is so amazing is when he was recounting his early life. Uh, he was he talked about specific books he read, the impact they had on his life, and then the other thing he talked about was uh, the people that he met uh, with whom he could have good conversations. Mm. And it was a feedback loop, all right? The more he read, the more he had to share in conversation and the higher level of, of uh, conversation he could have and the higher level of people he could uh, interact with. Right. You know, if you don't, if you don't, if you come into the, the banquet with, with, an empty, with empty hands, um, you know, people will feed you, I guess. They'll throw you a bone, but there's not much they can do with you. Right. But, you know, if you bring stuff to the banquet, uh, that's a big, big help. So yeah, reading – yeah, right? No, no can, yeah, that's it's so profound what you just said because when you said it, I went on my own little visual like flashback to my life and my experiences. So I just want to repeat that again. It's just what you're saying about the books that he read – and the people that he was able to speak with and converse with and how the knowledge he gained would fuel the circles he would be in and the conversations he would be able to contri contribute with. And just this almost this virtuous cycle of education and surrounding yourself with a particular type of person, which fuels your education, which fuels why you're around those people. You know, and, and of course, it's all kind of centered around, I guess, your your day-to-day -day life, your business, your how you're providing value to the world. Um, that's just, that's really profound. I mean, that's, that's encapsulating kind of a few different things. I mean, when we were at, I think Gary Bensavenga, when we were at that, that conference said, um, was it him? I don't know who it was, but just said that, no, it wasn't. It was someone, I think Brian told me this quote, Dick Benson had said that it's like the man with the most knowledge, was it the man with the most knowledge? who puts in the most hours wins every time. It was something like that. It's Marty. Like, I think that was Marty. Marty. <clears throat> was that Marty? It might have been yeah. Marty. You know, and Marty, look, let's look at Marty. What did he do? He, he started a, a business on his kitchen table, uh, I think, with 10000 bucks. I can't remember exactly, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of money. Uh, and that business, uh, you know, cranks out over $100 million a year every year, mm -hmm. like clockwork. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and here's the, here's the issue. How did he get there? He did two things. Besides the fact he worked hard, he read everything he could, and he reached out and met 
and interacted with and networked with the smartest people he can find. In fact, he had a really great saying, which is, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> right, right, right. But we have to be careful, and I'm, I'm kind of going to go off on this, this, this theme here. We have to be careful. There's, on the one hand, there's educators, uh, and on the other hand, there's, I don't know what to call them, promote, let's just call them promoters. And of course, educators have to promote too. I'm not saying that it's bad to promote education. That's not what I'm saying. But there is, there is, and you have to be sensitive to this and aware of this and, and hip to this. There's a lot of people teaching internet marketing who don't really care whether you get smarter or not. Uh, they do care that you buy their super expensive package, whatever that package might be. Um, and what you, you, you need to suss out who are the real educators. And here's the sign. The real educators acknowledge other real educators. In other mm. words, they're not caught in this little tight circle, mm. you know, for instance, you know, we have we have no problem talking about Gary Bensavenga and, and John Caples and Marty Edelston and, and, and great internet marketers that we know. Like if somebody's good, we'll talk about them. You know, we're not going to, you know. Yeah, but, of course. But, but I've actually, I was actually on an interview years ago and before the interview started, the guy said, is it okay if I mention John Caples? And I almost fell out of my chair. I'm like, not only is it okay, we, we should mention John yeah, Caples. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Right. But he said, oh, because most of – here's what he said. Everybody, everybody listen now. This is really important. He says, because most of the internet gurus I interview don't want me to talk about anybody other than them and their f circle of friends. Mm. Okay? So if you're trying to figure out who's for real and who's not for real, yeah. who's talking about John Caples? Who's talking about Claude Hopkins? Who's talking about a wide spectrum of internet marketers? Um, uh, that's on the one side. Those are the educators, and then the other side. There's the guys that only talk about themselves and their tight little three or four person uh, click. Right, right, and right, right. When you see that, you know your alarm bell should be going off. Yep. That's that's my opinion. And this is, this is I tell you the big hazard for beginners is you know you're in a dark woods and there's all kinds of paths to take and you don't know which path to take and the and your choice as to what kind of person to follow is going to make a huge difference in your outcome. And um, I don't know, you know, this is sort of becoming the theme of this call, but I think, you know, if you really want to know where people get tripped up, I'd say they, they get involved in, uh, you know, idol worship <laughs> uh, and they get linked into certain personalities and they think, oh, this, I'm it, you know, I'm, I'm cool because I'm with these guys. And you know what? None of us are cool. <laughs> Yeah. We're either educated or we're not educated. If we're educated broadly and widely, we have a good chance of making good decisions. If we're if we're, you know, caught in a little circle, uh no good. No good. So the you know, so the way out is we've already talked about it reading as widely as you can about marketing in general. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I put up a, a, a post on my blog about a guy that wrote a cookbook and now has a, a bunch of uh, restaurants in Chicago. And it's like, what does that have to do with internet marketing? And I'm like, study what he did. Mm -hmm. It applies to everything. If you're an info marketer, you should know this guy's story because there is there's inspiration in it, right. but there's also principles in it that you can can you can draw from. So read widely, and then don't just sit in your your room reading. Um, once you once you feel you have something to contribute, reach out. You know, uh, to, to other marketers, and you know, build. Build, a, build, a, build your own network of marketers. I guess the thing is, don't be a passive audience member. I guess that's that's what I'm now, now obviously when I go to a conference, I sit in the audience and I listen. I don't, you know, run around and right. you know, 
try to be, you know, but, 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 but in, but in general, don't be a passive guy that just pays the money and sits in the audience and, and, and adult, you know, praises the guru. Um, be your own guy and, and learn your own, read your own books and, 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 and apply your, it. yeah, apply it. Cause that's uh, mentioning martial arts. That's exactly what I feel like. I, I, I used to have a lot of people that would want to come when I had my martial arts school, they'd want to come and participate in the class. They'd want to learn the lesson, but then they would like, Oh, well, I, you know, I, I had something to do. I just want to come and I didn't want to, they didn't want to miss the lesson, but they would skip the drilling. Like they would like leave class early. Essentially they'd show up, see what I was going to teach and then leave. And I'm like, what, but what are you doing? Like, that's the most valuable part, you know, or even when I'd show somebody something and it was like a three-step move, often people would be like, is this it? And I'm like, how many times have you done it? They're like twice. I'm like, you know, do it 10 more times, then ask me if you're doing it right. Because, you know, I can sit here and explain to you all day, every day, but it's only three steps. Do you know what I mean? And you know the three steps. So just go through it 10 times, 12, 15 times, then call me over and then I'll help you. Um, so I think that's, I think that's really valid. I think that's, there's a lot of people that get caught up in just consuming, consuming, consuming and never producing anything with what they've learned. That exact, you know, that's a really, really good point. You know, and if we were to break this down, it, it's really, it's, a, it's like a stool, you know, you know, you want to sit down on, on something that doesn't collapse, you know, a one-legged stool, not good. <laughs> Two-legged stool, not good. You need at least three legs and those legs are, um, learning, you know, doing your own studying, uh, uh, networking, mm-hmm. you know, talking with other practitioners, which is really an important thing. And then three, doing, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and you can diagnose anybody's condition really quickly by looking at those three legs. You know, mm-hmm. some guy may be doing all this stuff, but he's not doing any research. So he's wasting time, he's wasting energy, he's wasting money that he could have easily conserved by just having a little learning under his belt. Then you might have somebody else that has every book and every tape set in the world, but he hasn't per- applied anything. Um, and, and then you also have guys that maybe you know, they're, they're knowledgeable and they're doing a lot of stuff, but they're not taking advantage of networking. Um, by networking, I just mean meeting people and talking with people and making alliances. You know, not everybody's going to be responsive, not everybody's going to be receptive, but you should always be looking – uh, to build your your circle of of marketing friends, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people that are doing what you're trying to do. That's such a powerful component. Jim Rohn has that quote: "You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with." And for me, that's just been it's been critical. I mean, you know, sure, I've done a lot of the reading and the education, but just again being introduced to you, who I was I was introduced to by Lloyd, um, you know, and and just and and just like you say, just surrounding myself, getting involved, hopping on the calls. Um, volunteering trying to help people where i can but i want to come back and talk about some more of like your experience and kind of what you've what you've how you've seen things evolved where you think things are going in the future as far as the the industry goes and then talk a little bit about what you're doing now as, as well okay uh before that let me just you said something that's really important volunteering when you're a beginner and you don't know anything um or you don't have any experience there's absolutely nothing wrong with helping people for free yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and I actually still do that uh, sometimes you know the, the, the amount of effort it's going to take for me to explain why somebody should pay me a lot of money for my knowledge you know they, they're never going to get it so I just help them you know mm. <laughs> and, and and but anyway if you're a beginner yeah and here's the other thing too and I, I don't feel uh, that you're going to monetize 100% of your effort, like that every breath you take is going to be monetized. Um, that's a really backward, and I know people teach that, 
and I think it's a really backwards uh, view of things. Um, what, what really happens is you do a ton of stuff, you create a ton of value in the world, and you monetize a part of it. Um, that's what really happens. So I think, I, I, you know, I, I want to stick to this, these basic things for a second, then I'll be happy to tell things about my story. Yeah. But I think this is really important for, for beginners, intermediate, advanced, everybody, because we all forget this lesson. There's no, you don't get one-to-one, uh, I give, I get, I give, I get, I give, I get. Um, um, Brian talked about that, actually, at, at the yeah. uh, Titans conference. I think it was really profound. You just give, 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 give. Sometimes it's going to go into a black hole and you're never going to see it again. Uh, sometimes you're going to get a very, you know, maybe a very minimal return. Uh, sometimes you'll get an equivalent return. Sometimes you'll get a triple grand slam, you know, return that you can, so huge you can't even imagine. And so the key is not being miserly and just, you know, do, I'm going to give a little effort. I'm, only, I'm going to give the least. There's, a, there's an ethic in the bad side of internet marketing of do the least you can possibly do to get the biggest possible result. Now, I, I believe in efficiency and I believe in not wasting effort. And certainly there are times when you can do something very efficiently and get a huge return. But psychologically and energetically and the way you look at the world, you really got to think about being a producer uh, and 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 creating and making and trying and reaching out like with high energy, you know, right. as high energy as you can manage. Right, right, right. And, and if you're sitting there waiting for the return on every single bit of exertion you put out, you will never get anywhere. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, and I don't think anybody's ever just laid it out for people that that basic fact uh, of life. Um, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that that's part of what I can when people ask like how. When I get questions about my my progress and development, I really do contribute that to a lot of it. Just networking with people. I remember as soon as I came back after the last system seminar where I where I met you, I got in touch with as many people from that conference as I could. And a lot of those people, I would just it'd be Friday night, and instead of going out partying, I would be on the phone talking with them about their project, just volunteering to try and help them figure out a solution, or you know, just helping them SEO their YouTube video links. But just like you said, just getting involved and and just basically offering my services for free just to get that experience. And you're right because when the, when you give, a lot of people, you 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 said this on a call and it was really profound for me. And you're saying that you know when when a when a musician or a band has the opportunity to have a song played on the national like a national radio station, they don't pick like their second best song and hope the first and keep the first one buried on the album for people to find later. You know they take their best stuff and they just give it away for free in hopes that enough people really resonate and connect with them that they go and then those people seek out the rest of their content. And the rest of their content is great too and of course it's really enjoyable, right? But that best thing, that's like the big hook, the big fish. And even when you're talking about giving, giving, giving now, that's almost what I feel like. If you don't give, people don't know what you're capable of. And so how do they know what the, – because a lot of times, especially in this field, when people want to pay you, it's because they want to recruit you and your skills and your abilities and what you know into their project, their task right their 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 endeavor but if they've never seen you flex that muscle then it's just a lot of promises it's a lot of hype yeah and so i yeah i sorry i just feel that that was really profound Um, this is this is important stuff because look all the technical stuff you know it's out there you know how to write a good email how to write a good headline how to set up a a follow-up sequence you can buy that information pretty readily you know And, and it's good stuff there's a lot of good stuff out there that covers 
all the mechanics. You know, you want to go into CPA marketing. There's there's great material on that. You want to do video marketing. I mean, whatever it is you you want to do, whatever direction you want to do, the technical details are out there. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of it is available if you're if you're crafty. A lot of it is available. You know, pretty re- at a reasonable cost. You know, right. but, but these core philosophical, attitudinal, energetic attitudes. Are, are the thing that that is is often missing. You know, there's taking another example from the music industry. You know, no band, including the Rolling Stones, including U2, um, starts playing uh, to to uh, sports arenas. Uh, and in fact, I have a great interview, which I'm, I'm thinking of releasing this thing. I, I, it, I, it's been a System Club member only thing, but I'm thinking of putting it out to the world because it's just too good to hide. Uh, Martin Atkins, he played with um, uh, Johnny Rotten. Uh, uh, you know, he's a he's super. He's a he's a very well known punk rock drummer who's now on the business side of the music industry. And he re, he he recounts the story of the first time he saw you too. Mm. Um, they were playing to seventeen people in a in a you know third tier bar on the in a third tier city on the wrong side of the tracks. Mm. You, know, you, you know, now they could have said, "Well, gee, I, we don't really want to put our energy into this because it's you know." But no, no. When when you're in the music business. Um, every show, whether one guy shows up or 100,000 people show up, you give it your all. Right. And this right, is, right, this right. is critical. This is yeah. a critical concept and, it, and you, you want to apply it to marketing. I, I, you know, I, I kind of straddle in some ways both worlds of, of um, entrepreneurial internet marketing and then also you know, the, sort of the Silicon Valley startup stuff, which you know, is another world. And uh, you know, that's actually where I really got started. You know, I I knew uh, you, you, the you, the Yahoo people when there was just four of them. You know, I knew <laughs> seriously, literally, yep, literally. Yep. Uh, I mean, in fact, I still think it's so crazy. You know, you, you, your first impressions are lasting. I I still think of those as you know, young guys just trying to figure it out. Um, uh, I knew uh, Netscape when it was eight guys. When gee, I didn't think you know they were going to make it. You know. Yep. Uh, you know, they ended up with thousands of employees and they sold themselves to AOL for, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but uh, what, what I want to uh, – so I'm, I'm constantly paying attention to what those guys are doing. It's a different business model than we have. And it's a different way of doing business in, in, in some specific particular ways. But I heard a really good talk uh, – and I wish I could remember the guy's name because I'd love to give credit where credit's due, but I'm drawing a blank – but he made a really, really good point. He goes, look, when, you know, we all go to school. And when you're in school, you know, what do you have to do to succeed in school? Well, you show up. That's step one. <laughs> you, you, you stay awake or at least appear awake during classes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you cram uh, the night before the test. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, you know you know, throw out all this information on the, on the exam. Uh, and then of course you forgot it two days later. Um, it doesn't matter whether you apply it or not because everything's intellectual, everything's theoretical. Right. And, if you, and if you do all that, you'll get A's and B's and everybody will pat you on the back. And of course the thing is to do as little as possible. Um, and everybody will pat you on the back. You might even get a certificate. Uh, you'll, you'll get a diploma. Um, everybody will ha- be happy with you. Right. Uh, that is the worst possible training and condition for the entrepreneurial world. Um, the entrepreneurial world is combat. I mean, and that's why I love, you know, when, when Lloyd Irvin showed up at one of my classes way back in 2004, 
I was thrilled. You know, I, I guess everybody knows who Lloyd is. If not, you know, twice world champion Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, U.S. champion uh, judo, U.S. champion uh, Russian. Sambo. yeah, he's, he's yeah. such a scary dude. He's yeah, tra- a scary I know, right? Tra- <laughs> trainer of, of champions. And uh, I was so happy when he showed up because, I, you know, Certain fields uh, like martial arts, like like stock trading, uh, there's some other ones. Um, you just can't pretend that you, that it's that you're success, successful when you're not. Right. Um, and it's brutal. You know, it, the feedback is rapid and it's brutal. If you go in there unprepared, you're going to get your head handed to you. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to scare people away, but that's the game we're playing in marketing. This is not playtime. Um, this is not a little theoretical exercise where you dabble a little bit, you know, you, you try a few things and maybe they work, maybe they don't. This is all out war. And I'm not talking about, you know, war, uh, you know, in the sense of blowing things up, no. but the kind of uh, focus and exertion and all out energy you need to put in uh, to build a business. And, you know, the legs of building the business are number one, having a great product. Uh, this is not mentioned enough uh, in our internet marketing world. <clears throat> in fact, there are certain gurus that flat out explicitly tell their students, don't worry about your product. Yeah. And I'm telling you, that is the worst possible advice you could ever give anybody. And, you know, it's very popular advice. It sounds great. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry. I can just throw up any old crap and it'll be great. Um, really, really bad advice. Um, product quality. And, and now we'll get into some of the lessons I learned um, that may be unique to me. Um, product quality is a marketing amplifier. All right. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, you put out a certain amount of energy to market a product. If your product is crap, um, you're going to get a lot of returns. And complaints, uh, which yeah. Means, yeah, which means you've, you've lost money, but you've also burned potential customers. Uh, those, that, those, that, those that don't return your product. No, hold on, hold on, Ken. I just want to, I want to expand on that. You see, so you said right. So if the product's not good, you'll get a bunch of returns, and you'll also have burned potential customers. I just want to highlight that that just because they bought your product doesn't mean that it's over. What you're killing is all the future sales you could be making off all the other products and services you develop. Right, and this is this is a re- what what what. Uh... What you just said is absolutely critical. Marketing is not about selling. It's about continuing after the first sale. Right. Okay? Right. And that's the game. Uh, And that's why even if you don't have an ethical bone in your body, it makes sense that you would want to have good quality products because that's what's going to lead people to buying more of your stuff and all the money is in the back end. So, sorry, I just wanted to interject there because I th- just I, we glazed over that, but for some of the people listening that are new, they may not understand that the, that that deep profound importance to that. Um, what you re- what you're really trying to do, and this comes from the old mail order people and the old direct response advertising people, but it absolutely applies to the internet too, is what you're really doing is you're acquiring customers. Uh, think of a customer um, you know, if we, if as a money making machine, right, <laughs> it's a little machine that, that makes money, right? If you could, if you could acquire a money making machine, the more money making machines you could acquire, the better, <laughs> right? And the longer those machines run without breaking down or, 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 or totally going out of commission, the better. Right. You know? So, I mean, if, if you want to, yeah, right. If you want to take all the ethics out of it and just be cold blooded, the rational thing to do is to have a good product so that people will be encouraged to, first of all, to keep the product, 
Um, second of all, to buy your next product and your next product and your next product. There's also another element to this, and this is something that I talked about in my article on the on the, the uh, cookbook author that became the restaurant owner. If you do really, 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 really well on your product, um, you're going to get free a lot of free advertising. Well, number one, people are going to tell their friends. Then you go, wow, I just got this book. It was amazing. Or I just went to this teleseminar. It was awesome. You know, people love to brag about good stuff that they've acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they're not going to brag about, yeah, what this thing and it's crap. You know, they, <laughs> so, 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 so you lose, you lose, you get returns. Uh, and, you know, there are people that just think, oh, who cares? You know, they, they have, you know, there's a, there's a terrible phrase in, in um, certain elements of business called churnum and burnum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, the philosophy there is, oh, well, there's so many people out there. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Just, you know, just keep, keep churning them, you know? That's such a bad perspective, yeah. It's, and, you know, and you've got you to be careful. And then we've talked about this already on this call, but I, I just there, – there are different cultures in marketing. You know, there's, there's a Churnham and Burnham culture. Uh, you know, these guys tend to think they're, you know, hot shit and, you know, you know, they're gunslingers and, you know, they, they're just so cool and they don't care and it's all about the money, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then there's – but the other side of marketing is no, marketing is a part of business um, and business is bringing value to people at a profit. Uh, so, so – so you know, if in, if you have a good product, not only will people tell other people, but people, important people, in in that niche, will support you spontaneously. And uh, since I've re- since I've referenced this article a couple of times, let me go into the details. So this guy, this is a really important lesson. Everybody wants to be an info marketer, and there's a lot of good reasons to be an info marketer. I'm an info marketer. It's a great business. Um, but people misunderstand it. They think it's about cutting and pasting some ebook together and buying some ads and you know, it's not about that. It's about having really good information and then packaging it well. And here's how far it can take you if you do it right. There's a guy named Rick Bayless, and uh, he did something very unlikely to succeed in the 80s. Uh, he went down to Mexico with his wife, spent six years learning all about Mexican cuisine. Now, there's nothing, there was nothing less likely to produce financial success <laughs> than that. Uh, adventure that they took. I mean, especially in those days. Now, you know, people are more hip to good food and there are more foodies around and there's a whole food culture. But I'm telling you, in the 80s, you know, it was all Chinese food. You know, I, nobody, <laughs> and nobody cared. You know, there, was, there wasn't any of this Thai and this, you know, Thai food. And, you know, right. This didn't exist. People, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, maybe some Mexican spaghetti. That's it. That, that's, a, that's about as sophisticated <laughs> as Americans were as far as food was in the, in the 80s. And then, of course, Mexico, much very wrongly, doesn't have a very high reputation in the United States. So, so to go and go to Mexico and learn the cuisine of Mexico in the 1980s and spend six years doing that, insane. Just insane. the dumbest right. thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So what, but, but what they did was they wrote an amazing book. And it was so amazing that the top food critic of the New York Times said, this is a great book. Everybody stop what you're doing. Go out and buy it. <laughs> You know, which, which, ne- and here's the key that never would have happened if they'd done a cut and paste crap ebook. Right, right. Now, I'm not saying go to Mexico and spend six years studying an esoteric thing that nobody is interested in today. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I am saying is if you want a tall building, you need a deep foundation. If you want to make a lot of money, uh, you're going to have to dig a deep foundation. Don't think you can cut and paste crap and, and you know, do some little scammy things. And the money's going to come in, and it's going to be great money. It, it, you know, you, you'll, you'll get a, a trickle. Yep. 
and it will trickle out and it will go to nowhere. Dry up. You're so much better off uh, uh, doing something of quality. Um, so that's uh, that's one. You know, I I really feel that ninety percent of of what I talk about is D. You know, when people get taken up by cults, yep. and you know, and they get you know, and the the families hire a cult D programmer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's funny because I've been trying to think of his name because I just when I was I was uh, at a at a different event a couple couple well last week and uh, one of the guys there he said it so well. We were having dinner at the sushi place and he said he he attributes all of his sex his success to his skill set, his mindset, and his environment. And he said those are the three things. And so just exactly, you're right. The mindset is so important. You know, these people, a lot of these people are selling, like you can buy a box of tricks and the tactics. And that's something I picked up from Dan Kennedy. You know, he said the principles never change. The strategies sometimes change and the tactics frequently change. And I really kind of keep that to heart. And I made sure I stayed at the strategic and the principle-based level. And I hire help for a lot of the tactical stuff that changes. And even if you try to stay, like yesterday, I have uh, uh, an assistant that I used to work with when I was marketing director at a different company. Um, he messaged me because he was asked for help because the Facebook pay-per-click uh, ad interface changed again over the weekend. And that's like at the tactical level, his day is really spent trying to get caught up with the new tactics of it. But for me, I, you know, where I'm doing now, I'm, I'm like, oh, really? Like I'm already working with an agency, but that's their concern, not my concern, because I'm operating with them at the strategic level and the principle-based level. But if I didn't have the right mindset <clears> – <throat> If I didn't have just just the stuff we're talking about, if I had this overnight success ideal, if I just didn't have a good solid foundation, um, it'd just be so easy to get swept away when 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 something small changes. I really like what you said. Could you repeat the thing that that Dan said? Because that's that is gold. Oh, what Dan said: the principles never change, the strategies sometimes change, and the tactics frequently change. And, that, and that's where we're at now, where a lot of these people, they put out these $1,000 courses, and it, it used to work, but it doesn't work anymore, right? Yeah. Um, and that's because the tactics have changed. And then I really liked, his name was Christopher, I wish I knew his last name, but he was saying skill set, mindset, and environment. And I just think that those, I'm like, yeah, even this call we're talking about, it's, you know, education, develop your skill set, environment can be, what kind of like, where do you live? It can also be the people you surround yourself with. And then the mindset, like if you go into things with the wrong mindset, if you're trying to squeeze people for dollars, if you're, you're just trying to make sales and hope, hope your customers don't call you, you know, like, yeah. like, like that sort of thing. Um, it's just, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about that because here's something unique. Uh, you know, I think everything I've said, you know, I know it's sound. Um, people may say, ah, I know this. I've heard this before. All right, let's talk about some things you haven't heard about before. I'm sure everybody's heard of Pinterest. Right. Right? Right. That, that right. You know, some people use it for marketing. I think in, in certain, you know, niches, it, it's a good marketing channel. Right. Um, and it's a big business. Those guys are making money and they're getting millions of dollars in investors. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, they're going to have a big payday someday uh, on the, when they have their IPO. Do you know how they got started? <laughs> no, how do they get started? Okay. And this is this by the way, this is state of the art Silicon Valley high end startup wisdom. They did not buy ads to get people to come to look at Pinterest. They went to cafes and chatted people up one on one, showed them their interface and asked their opinion. Let them play with it and ask their opinion. That is awesome. That's how they built their customer base. And the, the state of the art 
in Silicon Valley, these companies that go from zero to a billion dollars, you know, and where right. people are cashing out with a billion dollars after through two or three years, the state of the art is get 100 customers and make them super happy. Right, right, then, right. Then think about the marketing and the this and the that. How how radically different is that than than what things how people are taught on the the uh, you know certain certain elements of the internet marketing world. I love that. That is yeah. so awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's just it. It counts so much when the numbers are small, when the groups are small. Because if you can't scale it on a, if you can't achieve your goal on a small scale, if you can't keep a small group of people happy, how are you gonna have a big group of people happy? Like how are you gonna take care of a larger group? Exactly, and so and awesome. in order to make in order to make a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand people happy, um, you really need to drill down and focus on making ten or a hundred people happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really, and this is this runs counter to a lot of the advice you'll hear in the internet. Everybody's about, oh, well, that's not scalable. Going to cafes and talking to people isn't scalable. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's like the old direct mail days. Claude Hopkins saying that you know before they'd write a sales letter, they'd knock on a hundred doors and speak to a hundred prospects. I think that's just, I think that's just, it's not even necessarily has to do with being scalable. It's just getting it right. Exactly, and then once once that's right, then you can pour the advertising on. But right now, the model seems to be throw up any old thing, and here's ten scammy ways to get traffic and sell people stuff that may or may not be good, and and laugh all the way to the bank. No, <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, let's face it. There's a, every one of us has has a devilish side that ooh, that sounds really good. But when you you know when you when you wake up uh, and look at reality. You're like, no, that's not. That's really not the right way to go. And that's not. And by the way, that's not where the money is. You know, who who's making more money than Pinterest? Who's making more money than Facebook? You know, we. You know, Facebook is now a giant, and it's like, you know, we think of it as this sort of monolithic thing. Facebook was one. You know, a couple of dudes trying to create an online system for their college. I don't know. I don't know how many people know the Facebook story. Maybe they've seen the movie, but um, this is a really important thing to focus on and think about every day. Yep. The biggest. One of the biggest forces in the internet world today, uh, you know, the owner I think is worth $23 billion. I mean, it's just insane what the guy did. All he wanted to do was get it right for his, you know, a couple of thousand people uh, at at his university. That was his sole goal. And he rolled it out very, very uh, um, unambitiously, you know. His worked for his college. Then he said, "Well, you know, there's other colleges in the area. Why don't I add them?" Mm-hmm. That worked, and then he scaled it up uh, to you know 100 colleges. Then he did you know, nationwide, and um, as late as 2005, which was only nine years ago, his position was it was going to be a college only thing. He wasn't going to expand it. So this this idea of of sit, sitting in your market, you know, getting deep into and, and this, by the way, this was the big theme. At you know, if you did anybody listening to this that wasn't able to go to the Titans of Direct Response, I assume Daryl's giving you a report on it. If not, that Daryl, I hope you do. I hope you. Yeah, spend, I'm definitely going to. Yeah, spend spend an hour or two or three or, or ten or a month <laughs> uh, just talking about the things that went down at that event. Yeah. And, you know, just just I'll give a really quick thumbnail. We had the absolute best copywriter of the last fifty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the you know clearly one of the very top radio advertisers who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. Clearly the top TV advertiser who's ever lived. Uh, Jay Abraham, Dan Kennedy, 
um, uh, four copywriters that make over half a million dollars a year uh, just writing copy and doing nothing else. They don't even have businesses, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I probably, oh, you know, Joe Sugarman, who, you know, <laughs> the Blue Bocker genius who also had one of the best direct mail catalogs ever. Yep. Um, so we had all those guys and every one of them, every one of them without exception said the same thing. It's all about know, knowing your market intimately. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the only way you can know your market intimately is to engage with them. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't do it any other way. That's why people say, go into a business that you know. You know, don't, don't, you know someone says, oh, there's a lot of money in uh, you know, uh, mortgage applications. Well, all right, yeah, maybe there is. But what do you know? Do you know anything about that industry at all? Um, yeah, maybe you can mechanically crank out money uh, generating mortgage applications, uh, but how far is that going to take you if you really if your depth of knowledge is is thin? Well, it's, yeah, it's the difference between building something that kind of makes a little bit of money versus something that has like I don't know the chance to for sustainability and like a real business, a hobby versus a business. I think is what it is. What is that's something Lloyd used to always say: if you treat your business like a hobby, it'll pay you like a hobby. But if you treat your business like a business, it will pay you like a business. And so I think that's really the difference. If you're just looking to set up some sort of quick little make money fast, you know, I'm just going to drive traffic, get applications filled out and sell the applications, you know, all right, you know, and you can make a couple of bucks on that. But is that really, you know, is that really something you can stand on? Is that like a Tesla Motors? Is that like an Apple? Is that, it doesn't even have to be these giant conglomerates, but is that just like, you know, even the family, you know, the family diner that's been in your neighborhood for 50 years. I mean, is that going to have that sort of sustainability, that sort of uh, breadth to it is it or is it just kind of like that thing that you know that store that opened up and was there for a couple of months and then now it's just a vacant lot again you know i think that's kind of the difference ken something that came up that i wanted to ask you about when you're talking is i've heard different people say different things some people say you want to create the product first and you want to have like like we mentioned here you want to have five people in it that are they're so happy so like they're just overjoyed with your product and i've heard from other people that you should get your sales process up first because until you have sales there's no point in the product and that you really want to have that sales process down and be refining that and you can just shut the traffic off then make sure your people are happy and then go back to turning that on i i mean this is this is kind of a chicken or the egg question which comes first the chicken or the egg which comes first the sales and marketing or the 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 product and and great this is a really good question if you look at you know and and people are maybe gonna go oh no you know i really don't want to hear this but if you look at the people that have been really successful let's take even the narrow internet marketing world uh you know without even going to beyond um, invariably, without exception, it started not with the product or not with the marketing. It started with an in-depth study and understanding of the market that they were going to go into. See, this is what's missing. You know, you ask me what's missing, what, pe- what people are tripping over. Uh, and we, we alluded to it just a minute ago. Uh, the more you know about the marketplace you're in, the customers – their desi- you know, their needs, their desires, their fears, their worries. Um, that's where you've got to start. Mm. You know, knowing that. Let me give you um, an example. I won't name any names, but there was a, a guy who uh, you now he's huge in the the dating, how to date or how to pick up chicks or whatever it is um, marketplace, and huge guy. You'd re- everybody would recognize his name instantly. Um, he spent years. 
as a as a t- kind of twerpy lurker. <laughs> I mean, not, no, and you know what? I, I only say that not to put him down, but but maybe to encourage everybody. It's like he did not start as some super slick, sophisticated guy, right? Um, and I got the tapes to prove it. <laughs> uh, he was kind of a twerp. Still, well, I guess they. Um, and he just and and you know what? Had he start? Had he created? A product at that point in his evolution, oh my god, it would have been a disaster. It would have blown up in his and, face. And yeah, he might have been able to craft a, a, a super slick sales process, but all he would have been doing is quickly spreading the word that he was a twerp. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? It's like if you want to blow a company up really fast, I mean, blow it up in a negative way, like destroy a company, take an inferior product and market the hell out of it. Right. Um, and we've seen, we've, I've seen in, in this, in the internet marketing education space oh, over happened. the last 20 years, I've seen people come and people go right. and people, you know, suddenly they're the hottest thing that ever happened. And then three years later, everybody hates them yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? and that's an example of somebody getting their sales process down and with their products, not so good. Right. Um, so if you want to if you want to ask me where you start, it's, 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 um, market selection. Actually, let me let me talk about the three phases of business, right? And then we'll then we'll go back to this and fill, and and fill it out. Three phases of business. Phase number one: wandering, lost, and aimless in the desert. Right. Uh, phase number two: hair on fire, uh, trying to racing to getting critical mass as fast as possible. Uh, step number three: uh, improving your your processes and systems, and to the extent that you can taking yourself out of the business and you know employing others to do the actual operation of the business as much as you know in every level that you can do that a lot of people that you know and and the, the idea of oh you know other people are going to do the work for me oh that sounds so great and and then in fact there are people that sell courses on how to you know do all that stuff but until you have a business and there's revenue coming in that that's kind of premature knowledge you know there's mm-hmm. if you've got zero income and you don't have a business you don't have a business idea Learning how to delegate and learning how to get ten thousand other people working for you is kind of like yeah, it's like saying, well, here's how you build a plane and fly to Europe. Well, you know, well, that's I, I guess I could build, a plane, but I don't have a plane. You know, right. um, now other people. So, so what's what's missing is the reality that there is for everybody for the founders of Facebook, for the founders of Google, for the founders of Apple, for Ken McCarthy, for you know, Dar- you know, for Daryl, you know, for whoever whoever it draws a breath on this planet, there is going to be a period of time that you have to go through where you're wandering lost in the desert trying to figure it out. Uh, and the idea that you can be in that lost in the desert state and craft a good product and a winning sales system, I think is, 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 uh, the, the cart before the horse. Mm. Um, what you really need to do is say, is say, okay, what market do I feel personally interested in? And here's why it's so important that you're interested in it. You're going to be living with this thing for a long time. I mean, the idea that you're going to like, you know, learn a few things and make enough money to not have to work anymore for the rest of your life in a year. Um, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody can find me somebody that's done that, uh, you know, bring them to me. Yeah. <laughs> there is no such person. Yeah. Um, success comes from longevity, and you know, I'm not saying you have to wait 20 years to get the to get the fruits of success, 
But I'm saying that you know the real you know it, it, it doesn't happen in a month. It doesn't happen even in a year. Um, you know, so 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 love so find an, a niche, an area that you love, right? Then run it through a filter. Be practical. Um, I always say if you if you want to sell a product to left-handed lesbians from Lithuania, that's probably too narrow. <laughs> Right. Place, right? <laughs> so, so, so be practical. You know, there probably are a few of them, but you know, you know yeah. are you able to find them economically? And then once you find them, you know, there aren't that many, and you're gonna maybe there's a lot of them. I don't know, but I mean, I'm just saying, you just have to be, you just have to be practical. Right. You know, so um, you know, so for example, you know, let's use the Facebook use the Facebook example. By the way, you know, that happened in 2005. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a whole lot of hotshot internet gurus that were around in 2005 yep. who could have put together a Facebook-like platform, yep. you know, and uh, but they didn't. Uh, one only one guy did it, um, and why did he do it? Because he was into it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this is so he was into it. Uh, why is Lloyd so unbelievably successful in training uh, martial artists? Uh, he's so into it. He's so he's passionate. It. Oh my god. You know, and I know he's got a lot of other niches, you know, the sort of mechanical things where he'll hire someone to create content and they'll buy traffic and they make money. But believe me, the, the, the lion's share, I think he'd let all those things go um, tomorrow if he had to choose between all his peripheral activities and his core. Uh, I, I think you know, I have no doubt he would hold on to his core business, and his core business flows out of his personal interest. Right. Uh, I, had a, I had a great conversation with a, a fellow. I wish I could remember his name. He's really the godfather of all creative real estate investing. I mean, he's he was doing all the mo- no money down for real in the '60s, and basically all the people that <clears throat> teach it uh, now uh, they're, they're just you know riding his coattails. He invented. He was like the he invented all this stuff. Hmm. Um, and I was talking with him, and I and he was talking about his kids. And I said, "Well, I guess you you you, you advise your kids to go because he knew everything about real estate. I mean, he he's a guy that re- literally could walk into a town and a week later own a million dollars worth of property um, without having taken a penny out of his own pocket. Right? Um, he he could really do that. Um, uh, and by the way, the way he'd do it, he would knock on doors. Really? <laughs> he would go into a neighborhood." <sighs> And knock. He would go door to door and go. He he, he he had no money when he started. Right. And so he'd say, "I'm thinking of moving to this neighborhood. Can you tell me uh, if there are any houses for sale?" <laughs> really? Is that it? And just to start that conversation with the owner. And what would happen is sometimes the owner would go, "Oh my God, here's somebody I can unload this house on," or they'd say, "Oh yeah, well my my cousin's thinking of selling her house." Or yeah, there's a guy around the corner. He's got a house for sale. So he would do like a hundred doors a day. A lot of work. Yep. Um, but within a cup, within about a week, he would have all kinds of because it's all about deal flow. You know, this is a really important concept. If you're looking at one deal a year, uh, you're probably not going to find many good deals. Right. If you're looking at 10, 20 deals a day, the law of large numbers says you're going to come up with some amazing gems. Right. So anyway, this this is the kind of intelligence this guy had. You know, he just made things happen in the real estate world. He knew how to, you know, work on cash flows and discount mortgages, and I mean, just anything related to real estate. This guy was it. So I thought when I asked him, "Well, your kids, you're going to encourage your kids to go into real estate?" He said, "Oh no, no, I encourage them to go into something they love, because and here's the key: 
The only way you're going to get good enough at it to make money is if you spend a lot of time on it. And the only way you're going to spend a lot of time on it is if you love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Now, you would think that he'd say, oh, yeah, I want my kids to learn real estate because they can you know, learn all the tricks of the trade from me. What could be a better deal? Right. No. This is a very practical, intelligent guy. So, so this wandering in the wilderness phase you know, is about finding that area that you are both very interested in and has some uh, obvious commercial potential. However, <laughs> sometimes people make vast fortunes by going into things that have no commercial potential. There was no commercial potential for pub- per- personal computers when Apple st- opened their doors. Right. Their, their sole goal in life, their sole calculation was this. There are 50,000 ham radio operators. That means there are probably around 50,000 people in the United States crazy enough to want to hand make their own computer from our folks. <laughs> that, so when you ask, you know, so this grand strategy and all this kind of stuff, it never starts on day one. Right. You know, and what did they do? And, and here, this, boy, this, this goes full circle. What was, you know, Steve Wozniak was the guy that made the first Apple computer. And he's a billionaire today. Um, and he hasn't worked in 30 years. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he, he got his stock and he just, he said, I'm done. Um, uh, what was, his, and that took about five years, by the way. I mean, that, they were very lucky. Um, but what was, what was Steve Wozniak's original goal? Um, his original goal was to make a computer that was good enough, a personal computer, that was good enough to impress the 50 members of the homebrew computing club. <laughs> That's right. How, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, you know, we're talking about a lot of stuff, and, and I, I, I think it's stuff that needs to be said and needs yeah. to be in your mind, you know? Well, so, wandering in the wilderness. So, that's where I would start acknowledging, hey, I'm in the wilderness here. And you know what? I'm just like Moses and every other person that ever wandered in the wilderness. We all wander in the wilderness till we find our way. But what you're looking for is a market that you can care about. And it, does, you know, it doesn't matter that you're the world's greatest authority in that market. Um, right. You know, there are many people that have done well in a market that started as a, a novice amateur and their process of learning, because they were learners themselves, they were excellent at, at serving other learners. Right, right, you know? right. So, the, so going back, go, going, I'm sorry, I keep going on and on, but this is really important. So going back to the, the how to pick a girls uh, deal. So this guy was sort of, you know, a, a, a dweeb for years, and but he listened to all the conferences and he, he, you know, he read all the discussion boards and he absorbed all the information and he, he studied and he reached out and he, you know, chatted with some of the experts and bit by bit he got more and more knowledgeable. And then finally, after all this period of, of wandering in the wilderness, he developed his own useful uh, and powerful perspective uh, he had, he had that, and he wrote an e-book. Mm-hmm. Sure, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? It wasn't even an e-book. It was a discussion board post. Now, I'm talking about a guy that says, I don't know what he really makes, but he says he does $10 million a year now. So we're, talking about, we're not talking about some modest success story. We're talking about right. a grand slam success story. His business started in the following way. He hung out on the discussion boards. He tried to, his best to figure everything out, uh, starting from sub-zero knowledge. Um, bit by bit, he learned, he learned, he learned. After wandering around the wilderness for a while, he got his own uniquely powerful and useful perspective. And one day he posted his own manifesto 
on a on a, uh, a, a heavily used discussion board, and because he was coming from depth, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a cut and paste bogus ebook. Uh, because he was coming from depth and he was saying something new and he was saying something real and he was saying something that resonated with the audience because he knew the audience because he dwelt with the audience for months and years, that post caught fire in that in that marketplace. It went wild. It mm. went. Wild. He took that post, tidied it up, turned it into an ebook, and that is the basis of a business that I don't know what it really does. But definitely does seven figures a year every year, like clockwork, and has done so for years and years and years. So that's my answer to your question: <laughs> of do you get the product right, or do you get the sales process right first? Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, I think that's I think that's well said. I think I think it's to try and summarize for people. It comes from a basis of really being in your market and understanding the potholes and the and the problems. That's the analogy you always use, Ken, about <clears throat> walking in your market, seeing, walking through it, and, and really sitting in it, so you can see where the gaps are, where's the potholes, where's the uneven road, and then really identifying that. And it sounds like here, just almost doing like a test of, of some well thought out deep content that maybe isn't the whole enchilada but it's still right it's still a a great contribution and the level of knowledge there and then and then just really just following following people's response and tailoring it to to better suit the need that you're trying to solve and then obviously you can't scale if you don't have a marketing and sales process so that has to come into it as well so it's it sounds like they're kind of both both happen at the same time but it's really has to be deep rooted in the basis of understanding your market of understanding the problems understanding the solutions that have been there before you and um you just just not trying to think you can step in and create something and make a couple million dollars and go kick it on a beach, but actually being from a place of wanting to serve others, provide value, and just being there. Like I don't, it seems like such an anomaly, but it's even on online, it's so easy to be like a troll or in the shadows. Like actually to be present in a space with people. To yeah, I think. Well, um, I, you know, like let's 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 really look at the internet marketing. Um, one of the big names, and I won't mention his name. But one of the big names of internet marketing, his marketing method, and he had a, he had a lot of money from from some other um, source, um, was to, to over a period of two to three years, before he ever opened his mouth publicly, he attended like fifty to seventy internet marketing seminars. Right. He went to every single seminar, networked like crazy. Which not you know made him personal contacts, but it also gave him a feel for the marketplace. And he he very over time he saw how you know he saw the holes in the road, he saw the bumps in the road, and he saw what he could bring to the market that would be a solution for that market. Mm-hmm. So that when he came out with his product, uh, it it was a fit. You know, it wasn't a guess. It, it was a, it was a crafted a well crafted fit. And the you know, markets are markets are hungry for novelty, huh? They're 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 hungry for the new, and they're hungry for the improved. Now, I'm not saying throw new and improved. <laughs> I got my new headline. <laughs> right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really new and really improved. And some and 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 when, and we're talking about new and improved. We're really talking about that road repair. Uh, model of marketing. You know, you don't have to build, you know, the, the new road. You don't have to pave the road with diamonds. Um, people are very happy if you simply get the pothole out of the road. You're a hero. 
Um, if people are bumping their axle, you know, scraping their axles on a bump, on a, on a lump in the road and you get rid of that lump, that bump, um, you're a hero. So we're not talking about like being Einstein here, but we are talking about intimate knowledge, practical, intimate, real knowledge, not fantasy, not make believe, not what I think would be good. But that's why I say walk the road, get out of your car. Don't, don't drive down the highway 60 miles an hour and think you understand that road. You really understand the condition of the road when you get out of the car and walk the road. Every bump is going to be obvious. Every hole is going to be obvious. And your goal as a marketer, if you, you know, if you if you really want to make a splash in a market, is get to know those bumps and holes uh, intimately, and then create a product that fills the holes and removes the bumps. Because and, and, and here's what in both these cases that I've given, it's so important when you emerge. And when you launch, um, that you're credible. Yep. You know, not that you, you know, yes, you, I guess you can trick a lot of people into buying a lot. You know, you can railroad and, and stampede a lot of uh, unknowledgeable people into buying a ton of stuff uh, that may or may not be good. I, mean, I guess you could learn how to do that. Um, but <laughs> the guys that make the real money don't go that route. What they do is they take the time to bring something truly unique, truly valuable, uh, truly worthwhile to the marketplace. Uh, and then what, what happens when, when you show up with something really good? People latch on to you. Yep. If you you know if if I if I go to your house for dinner, right, and you make an amazing meal, I assume that if I come back to your house, I'm going to have another amazing meal, right? right? It's just logic, right? If I come to your house and the food's crap, <laughs> you know, or a restaurant. Let's use a restaurant as an example. You know, if I go to a restaurant and, and, and you know, the, the, the food looks horrible and it tastes kind of, you know, not so good, mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume, that, you know, it's not a place I'm going to put on my, on my rounds. I'm not coming back here. Um, right. I, why do we think the Internet world is any different? Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, these are, these are things, uh, kind of deep things uh, that, that you want to have in your mind when you're plotting your strategy. Yeah, no, I think I think there's a lot of really good, really good content to this call. I feel like we could make we could make a bunch of ebooks and PDFs out of it, just transcribing it. <laughs> we could, we, you know, the mindset. I, I you know, I, the warrior mindset. The well, there's a warrior forums so that might get confusing, but um, I don't, I don't, and I no offense to the warrior forum, but are those guys warriors? I mean, why do they call themselves yeah, a warrior? I don't, forum? I don't, really understand. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that came warrior from. Is very, warrior is a very serious term to me. That's very serious, you know. That's, you know, that's about as serious as you can get in this in this world. Um, <laughs> Which isn't necessarily everyone on the warrior phone, yeah. even though they mean well. So they mean well, and, and there's good there's good stuff to be learned from everywhere. But you know, for, there's an example, like you know, whatever the forum is named. Um, you don't want to hang out in one forum. Uh, you don't want to be a member of one little tight little club. Right. You always want to be saying, "Is there are there other forums? Are there other people? Are there is there a, is there a bigger game here? Is there a broader network? Uh, are there other books I could be reading? Are there other people I could be following?" And so, you know, if we take this full circle, uh, I, I, I have this uh, copywriting course that I have at the very beginning of the copywriting course. I always say I can tell who um, who where somebody's at as a copywriter uh, by asking who who are your heroes. You know, and uh, and that applies in internet marketing too. Who are your heroes? And if you tell me it's these three or four guys that just hang out together and never, you know, talk about anybody else, 
I'm going to say, wow, you know what? You, you have a problem because you're plugged in to a environment that is deliberately li limiting your education. <laughs> right. Yeah, ex exactly. It's, 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 almost to bring it back to the music analogy but if you said you were interested in a certain genre of music and I was like oh yeah who are your favorite artists and the only people you recited are the people that are being played on the radio right now then I know that obviously your knowledge is very very shallow versus if you were really a fan of that you would know the people who come before it and all the big names and what that what they were famous for and why and how it's helped the evolution and how well, you would even see parts of the the old school in the new people that have come forward because all, all we are is just history repeating just like every day where I'm just a recycle of my habits from yesterday you know it's just year after year generation after generation we're all simply little bits of history repeating just hopefully becoming a little bit smarter a little bit wiser a little bit sharper a little bit better um, but it doesn't take a lot I mean it's yeah just small, small, small changes can swing big doors. Even in the evolution, like we're saying in the product, you don't need to build a whole new road. You just need to be the same road, but without that pothole. Right. The roads, and here's the, here's the, by the way, if we're talking about what market should I go into, um, that's why the road analogy I think is helpful. Uh, you don't build the road, you know, the road's there. Uh, what, what, what is, how does that apply to marketing? Well, you don't build the market. The market's there. Like, there's already guys that want to pick up girls. You know, there's already people that want to make money on the internet. There's already people that want to be better fighters. You, you, you pretty much never want to go into. And even in that guy that who went to Mexico for six years, there is a there is a world of people that are interested in international cuisine and want to try new things. So that that even though it was a it was a, a smaller market back in the '80s, it was an existing market. You know, right. so that's that's rule number one. Is there a road? Because if there's no road, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have enough time or money uh, in a thousand lifetimes to build that road. Mm -hmm. Let's look at Facebook. You know, I'm using Facebook for some reason a lot, but um, he didn't build the road. There was already Harvard University. <laughs> there were already students at Harvard University. Right. There were already students at Harvard University who were very curious about each other and wanted to know more about each other and wanted to be able to communicate amongst each other. The road existed uh, in fact, I don't know how many people know this, but it depends on what, you know, if you went to college or not, uh, it depends on what college you went to. But Harvard has a literal printed Facebook. It's called the Facebook. Mm. Um, and it's a book that you would get when you're an undergrad and it would have all of your classmates in it, their face, the high school they went to and where they're from. Right. That was the Facebook. So there's another example of the guy. He didn't build the road. That's right. He just he saw lumps and holes and he filled them with software in his case. Yep. So I think I've just given you a multi-trillion dollar yeah. <laughs> insight into how the world really works. Make sure there's a road. Get out of your car. Walk that road. Look for the holes. Look for the bumps. Create a product that removes the holes or fills the holes and removes the bumps. And the, the cool thing about this is – like you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know how to fill a hole. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, and you that's see, you see the problem, you fix it. You yeah, know? and that's exactly it. Just let people tell you what like what's missing. Um, that was like Michael Fishman. He gave the advice of looking at the negative reviews on Amazon to help figure out, you know. And that's just one one strategy, and it's not it's not the end all be all. But that's exactly what you're saying. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. People will tell you. <laughs> It'll just be there. And then, really, I think it just comes down to just, 
you know, maybe beginning with the end in mind. So the you want to think in terms of how can I scale it? Because obviously in Pinterest, their 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 goal was never to scale it through coffee shops, but and cafes. But they knew that they needed that. They needed real, live, breathing people. They needed to make what we talked about in the beginning. They needed to make a small group of people, be able to make a small group of people happy in person and in real life before they could scale it and, you know, and have that user interfacing in, uh, be used by tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people all over the world that they can't actually sit down and talk through using their site. So I think that that's really instructive, those those kind of pieces there. And something that I picked up from Michael Gerber is the rule of 10,000, I guess. And so that's basically it. I mean, even with the Facebook, um, you know, you, it's hard to scale that. I mean, it's a printed book and you can, but to collect all the photos and all that. So that's where I guess what um, Zuckerberg, what his contribution was, was trying to find a way to make it easier to do and scalable. And so just keeping that piece in mind. I guess it's a bit of a, it's an art and science because you need to have the small group intimate interaction to make sure you're getting it right. But then you also want to make sure that you're, you're laying a foundation that can really grow and scale. And then you also need to have the, the actual problem, the hole in the market that you're solving. And that has to have the ability to scale as well. Cause if you find a hole in the road, but there's only 10 people, like you say, like, you know, you've got, I don't know, tennis players for whatever reason. I don't, I forget what your example was, but the left-handed lesbian from Lithuania. Yeah. From wherever. (laughs) But if there's only 10 people, then you can't scale that. Then there's no scale to that. Right. So even if you're ready and you can handle 10,000 of them, if there aren't 10,000 of them, again, you use the analogy, if you're trying to swim in a pool with no water, I mean, you're just going to end up getting hurt. So I think it's this art and dance of those kind of components of, of understanding the market, of having real people that you're serving and then also understanding that eventually you do want to roll and scale this out and so keeping that in mind so however you are serving that small group of people making sure that it can translate into a way shape or form you are able to scale it to serve tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of customers and 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 this is and this is to answer your original question this is where you start with these considerations and the technical things you pick up as you go along uh, you know, the idea that, oh, if I, if I accumulate zero, you know, tons and tons of technical know-how, a business will flow from that. Not at all. You can be the most, I mean, I know people like this. They're the most, they know more about internet marketing than I do. They, well, they know more about strat, you know, specific techniques than I do. Right. But they don't have a business. Right. Well, it's because tomorrow something could roll in and now that business is made redundant. Well, also they never inter- they never reached out into a marketplace and served a marketplace. They know every. They're like a. They're like a. Uh, a, a what is it? A consultant is like a guy who's knows a hundred lovemaking positions, but can't get a date Saturday night. You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like that's great that you know all this stuff, but come on, you know, like you, you know, you gotta you gotta go out and do some stuff eventually, you know. Right. Uh, so and and be encouraged. Everybody should be encouraged that everybody that has has a successful business started out as a complete dimwit. I did. I didn't have a clue what I was doing when I first got started. Um, Zuckerberg, I uh, just heard this story, cracked me up. He um, incorporated his company originally in Florida. That's the, and I don't know if you, if you know anything about incorporation, that's like the dumbest possible state, state to incorporate your company in. a business in, unless you have to. You know, if you're a local Florida business, you kind of have to. But he didn't have to. And I don't even know why he did it. It was the most boneheaded, amateurish, idiotic mistake you could possibly make. He made another mistake that cost him billions of dollars. He 
he had a partner. He had some he had some partners, and some of them stuck with him. But he gave his partners shares without having any uh, quid pro quo. In other words, he didn't say you have to stay with me for four years for these shares to kick in. Oh. So there's a dude living in Singapore now with about ten billion dollars in the bank who worked about two years on Facebook and just skedaddled. Now that you know that is a that is something that he could have avoided. Uh, and not even talk about mistakes. I mean, that's a ten billion dollar mistake. Yep. And you know what? So so if you think, oh, I've got to be as smart as Mark Zuckerberg, well, no, well, you have to be as <laughs> you have to be as tenacious yeah. as Mark Zuckerberg. Yep. None of us have to be smart. We have to be tenacious, and we have to be constantly in motion. Um, and you know, mm. I, I, I'm not saying be a shark because shark has sort of negative connotations. But one of the things that sharks do very well is they keep moving. Mm. Sharks don't lay at the bottom of the ocean and wait for uh, prey to come. Right. They're right. they're moving, 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 moving all the time. They're always in motion. Um, and so you know that that's one thing to emulate. Um, mm, that's yeah, really, so we, really, really good one. Yeah, no, nope, I think that's right. And it just, just keep applying so many, like, keep moving, keep applying solutions, keep, keep progressing. Cause it's just like with your Mark Zuckerberg example, you can't know, like you're, you're inevitably going to make mistakes. You hope and you, that's part of why you educate yourself and you surround yourself with people smarter than you so you can try to avoid those mistakes. But ultimately you just have to accept the fact that mistakes will be made but your only alternative is to do nothing, and that is death. I mean, that's the antithesis of growth. So you have to keep moving forward, and and just like you, like we talked about here, just but try and start small. And I think this kind of goes back to a copywriting tenet. But that's where uh, Claude Hopkins let the thousands tell you what the millions will do. Let the small group of customers you know, tell you how the large group of customers will react. So instead of trying to scale so big, so fast and being really focused on quote unquote, sucking money out of a marketplace, you focus first on getting customers, really serving them and then growing with what, with what works. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, we actually covered some pretty deep things in this call. Oh yeah. And I, I recommend that people, uh, maybe loop this thing and just listen to it over and over. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I, I, you know, I want to, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I, I think it's, it's important. Yeah. Um, no, I think we covered. I, I already know. I want to go. I was, <laughs> I've been alternating from taking notes to be like, oh, I should be listening. Like, like, <laughs> like because I was like, wow, that was really profound. I'm taking notes for myself, even in the margin of my notes, like my interview questions here. So, um, no, there's definitely a ton of value. Ken, there always is. Every time, every time I we talk, or every time I hear from you or any of your audios, there's so much value. It's why I knew I wanted to interview you. So. Um, what do you, I really do appreciate coming into the call. Let's talk a little bit about what you have going on right now. What's, what's happening in Ken's world? What are you working on? What are you passionate about these days? Well, you know, I, I, I was doing large events. Uh, they started out as small events, uh, but they became large events. By the way, my first, first, first internet marketing seminar the, before the famous one in 94, I think we had 12 guys. Uh, and, and Bettina made lunch, <laughs> you know, for all of us, uh, you know, that was the first one. Uh, then we got up to four or 500 people at a clip and that we did our last one in 2011. Um, I, that we, we named it the system, the system in, uh, 2002. Uh, before that we didn't have a name. We just got together and did things. Um, and then I, then I, we started the system. And so 2011 was the last one. Uh, putting on big events is a is a big deal. Uh, 
it's a good thing to do. Uh, requires a, a lot of infrastructure and good management and all that kind of thing. But it's a very powerful thing to do. You know, if you're if you're looking for a way to distinguish yourself in a market, uh, and 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 you can figure out how to get all the players in that market in one place at the same time. I mean, that'll put you on the map faster than ten thousand, you know, great emails and any AdWords campaign and any SEO. I mean, it just it puts you to the top of the class really fast. Um, but I, you know, I did pretty well. You know, I'm I'm pretty financially conservative. I didn't go out and buy a, a you know Maserati or whatever it is you're supposed to do when you make money. I I just stacked it up. And it, you know, at, at 2011, I guess which was the last one, or 2010, I, I I looked at everything and said, you know, I really don't have to work anymore if I don't want to. Um, so I decided, you know what, 2011 is going to be the last big event. But as you can see, I really like marketing. I really like helping people uh, with these issues. Uh, and so I still have my system club, and and the system club are used to be just graduates of of the system seminar, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a secret club. I, I didn't advertise it. Uh, the idea is if if you'd gone through one of my trainings, then you were prepared to really be a good system club member. Uh, and I want you know I want good members. I just don't I don't I just don't want numbers. I want smart people in the club, um, or educated people, or people who are have their heads screwed on right. You know may not know much, but if your head's screwed on right, I'd rather have you than a smart guy who's got his head screwed on wrong. Um, so we had the system club, and that's been on the internet side and the internet education side of things. And I've got a lot of different projects going on in a whole bunch of areas that have nothing to do with, uh, with the internet. But on the internet education side, that's where my energy is focused. And in that, with that group, we do three th- events every month uh, via telephone. Uh, one of them is called Tech Talk, and it fills, a, I think, a huge gap uh, in, in our market. There's a lot of great tools in Internet marketing, mm-hmm. um, but you know, how do you hear about them? Um, some of the very, very, very best tools don't advertise. Uh, how, they, how they manage to grow it really is, is, is kind of a mystery to me, but uh, uh, there's a great model of make the tool free, give it away, and then uh, have upgrades for people that need greater volume or, or greater uh, features or whatever. And that model seems to work pretty well. Um, we also, you know, then we have the other model of somebody takes a so-so tool and then gets a million people to promote it and everybody spends, you know, $10,000 on it. I mean, I don't like that model at all. I don't see how that serves internet marketers. So Tech Talk is an antidote to that. Tech Talk, we go over all the great internet marketing tools uh, that are truly great, some of which are free. Uh, some of which cost or or cost very little. Yep. Um, so that's Tech Talk. That's every month. You know, it's a, we we review a different class of tools. Uh, the other thing we do is called Second Saturday, and that's where I take uh, existing businesses, uh, which we really haven't addressed. Um, what's the challenge of an existing business? But I work with existing businesses or people that have a business idea and want to evaluate it with me, and uh, I take one member and we just spend an hour or more. On their stuff, and uh, figure out how to make it better. And uh, I, you know, I won't be falsely modest here. Those are amazing sessions, and I'm, you know, and they're high. There's like a high wire act. I, I, I have to produce. You know, they, they're showing me their stuff for the first time, and in that hour, I have to come up with ways to radically improve and transform what they're doing. And so far, um, I would put those calls up 
against anything out there. I mean, they're really interesting calls. And they're tricky to do because every business is different. Everybody has their own set of capacities and skills and talents and resources, and everybody's in their own unique market. Uh, and I have to you know, figure out, okay, how do you take, we take all these things and make them work for this person? And anybody who's a member of the club is eligible uh, to be a, a second Saturday uh, client. Uh, and you get, you know, just an hour or more of my very best thinking and everybody gets to listen to the calls. And if you're smart, you really want to hear about the challenges that other businesses are facing and how they can, how they solve them, how they address them, because you can often learn a great deal from that. Then the third thing we do every month is we have a, what I call a master class where I go out and you were a master class guest, uh, where, where I go out and find, you know, really accomplished people. Uh, either in internet marketing or it could just be marketing in general or it could be business in general. Uh, for example, wow, uh, nine years ago I, I had the um, – uh, I'm trying to draw a blank on his name um, – the 80-20 guy. Um, Rich, uh, Richard, Richard Koch. Koch, yep. Koch. So, you know, nine years ago <laughs> I had that guy as a guest when that book first came out, you know. So – um, if people had been listening, uh, they would have had the benefit of the 80-20 stuff that Perry is teaching today. Yep. They would have had it nine years ago. Yep. Um, so so we, we reach beyond uh, – and this is the theme of even our call today. I don't just stick in the narrow internet marketing ghetto you know, <laughs> and just focus only on like three guys. Yep. Um, I'm really interested in everybody in internet marketing. I'm interested in everybody in marketing. I'm interested in everybody in business. And I'm interested in everybody who's doing anything worthwhile or valuable because we can always learn from that and apply it to the internet. Yeah, and you always find really good top quality caliber people. Like I, I also did an interview with the Ginsu Knife guys that was like, what was that? That was like a huge, huge, huge like 50, I, I, no Bs, but $50 million a year business, I think, just selling steak oh. knives you could buy at the grocery store. Well, it was so big that Warren Buffett bought the company from them. Yeah. Um, no, it was a big. It was a big deal. I believe they sold a billion dollars worth of those knives. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. So how and, you, how you find and connect with these people? I have no idea. But those masterclass calls are are awesome. Well, you know what I do? I I I, I read widely. You know, like we talked about at the beginning of this call. Uh, when I see somebody interesting, I say, "Hey, look, I've got this show. I'd love to have you on it." You know, would you believe I'm the only guy that ever in interviewed the Ginsu? Uh, knife guys about their business. What? Oh no! What's the, one other one other institution did that. Harvard Business School, which is so crazy because it's just it's like yeah. This, this, let's. I'm glad we're. This is an important point. There was a time when you could have walked into Mark Zuckerberg's house in Palo Alto and been an early shareholder uh, or and or employee. Yep. Um, there's a guy named Peter Thiel that did that in 2005. He put up a hundred grand for 10 percent of Facebook. Wow. Why did he? Why was he? And he may say, "Well, I don't have a hundred grand," but get, get the principle. He put up a hundred grand and it paid him 10 billion dollars. Yeah. Um, I'll do that. I'll do that all day. All day, all day, every day. Yeah. But there, let me say something. There was no guard at the door saying, you can't come in and give me $100,000. Yep. Obviously, there wasn't because uh, um, he did. Zuckerberg was very happy to get that $100,000 back then. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't hiding. He wasn't an obscure, unknown character. Um, he'd already built this big 
college, university. It was successful on, on the college level. It was very well known. All the college kids knew about it. Yeah. You know. So and then and then the guy that created Napster, um, who is now behind Spotify. Oh, and also, by the way, <laughs> was a Facebook founder and and uh, also cashed out with about a, bil- a billion. Um, there was a time when he had a, a rough patch. Napster, you know, hit some really hard spots, and uh, like he actually has had a lot of rough patches in his life. And there have been times when you could have just knocked on his door and been a friend uh, and gotten his ear and 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 added him to your network. You know, even even after he was world famous because of Napster, because the Napster crashed and burned and, you know, it really affected him very negatively. So this idea that, oh, networking is hard and, and, uh, you know, oh, my God, you know, the effort, you know, well, I don't know. Is it really hard or are you lazy? (laughs) Or or is your vision short? I always say that when people say things are hard, I'm like, compared to what? Like, really? Like, it's life. Like, that's something that, that's a pet peeve of mine. I I sometimes don't show up when people complain, yeah, but it's difficult, it's hard. I mean, we all struggle, we all procrastinate, we all are dilatory. But it's like, compared to what? Like, like living life is hard. You have to, you know, it's it's survival. (laughs) Like, what are you going to compare it to? Non-life, non-existence? So, it's just a matter of just, you know, just making a decision and a commitment that, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And it's just like you said, a lot of these people, you might think that they're in, 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 inapproachable, but it sounds like a lot of these people, they're not, they're not behind steel bars, they're not behind a giant wall. You know, there's just this indifference of people that just couldn't care to ask. Um, yeah, I mean, it's too, it's too late to knock on Mark Zuckerberg's dog. I mean, now there is an iron bar, right. but, but there, were, there were years where you could have just been part of that, yep. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's why, you know, we, we see very often that immigrants come to North America, whether it's to Canada or to the United States, and some of them are incredibly industrious. They build successful businesses at a higher rate than native-born people. Yeah. And, you know, why is that? Well, think about it. You know, you're in India or Pakistan or Russia or Bulgaria or wherever the heck you are. Yeah. Uh, you leave your country. Yeah. <laughs> you leave all your friends. You leave all your support networks. Yeah. You leave your native language. You kind of you're kind of like a Viking who's burned his uh, boat on the on the shore. You know the Vikings yep. used to do that. They would they would they would land and to make sure that they didn't retreat, the captains would burn the boats on the sh- on the on the beach. Yep. The guys would have to win, you know, win or die. You know, yep. and and so they're in that position. They know how hard life is. They know the consequences to go back to Bulgaria. Yep. Um, I think you know. This is, this is a funny saying, and I heard this out in Silicon Valley. It's hard to wake up at five in the morning when you go to sleep in silk pajamas. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's no, that's right, that's right. Uh, adversity makes men, luxury makes monsters. I think that that's so true. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> so, and I and I do this, and you know, we're why are we driven? And 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 this is kind of an interesting thing. I never. Like I was talking with somebody literally yesterday about this, and she said, "Wow, you've done so much, you know." And I'm like, "I, I feel like I haven't done anything, you know. I feel, I feel like I, I feel like I, I gotta like do more, you know." And she's like, "You're kidding, you know." I'm going, "No, I really feel that way." In, in other words, you gotta, um, you can't say you can't rest on on wherever you're sitting, and, and you, you just have to like blank slate, blank canvas, uh, new day, earn. There's a, there's a great saying in Zen. Um, and it's a very practical saying. A day of no working is a day of no eating. <laughs> mm. You know, and too many of us, you know, it's it. We do 
as rough as things are, I guess um, these days uh, they're pretty. They're still pretty soft. If you want to see hard, go to like a rural slum in the third world. Yeah. And um, you, you've been, you've traveled. You've seen the world. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I, you know, I would actually. You know what? You want to li- want to light a fire under your ass, everybody. Go to a third world country and see what what it's like when yep. you don't have it together. Yep. Uh, and see how far a dollar will take you when you earn one, and see how easy it is for us to do business in this country with this beautiful infrastructure and this huge marketplace of relatively affluent people. I mean, we're shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, yeah. compared compared to the rest of the world. Yep. Yep. No, we have it so good and there's so and there's so much wealth even yeah, there's I could go on for days here. I mean, people that are wealthy in America, they're part of the top 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 echelon in the world and it doesn't even take that much to get there. So, um but I think it I think it does come down to the even just the mindset part. So it's almost because it's so easy, some people get lazy and they just want they just want it all in the you know, that in the pill essentially. Where's that, oh, you where's know that get rich pill? <laughs> and oh boy, you know, if you sell one everyone would buy it. But but you know, something that's really important, when when I so when I started even getting involved in the internet in ninety three and ninety four, I already had a business. It was a pretty good business. Uh it was not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way I worked was I would spend about eight hours a day on that business. I'd have dinner. Uh, and then I'd work another eight hours on my internet stuff. Mm. And I did that for at least a year and a half before the internet stuff started to get enough traction that I could sort of uh, start fading down the other uh, you know, involvement with the other business. Mm. So that's a 16-hour day. Now, I'm, you can't do that forever. Nope. Nor, nor should you do that forever. Um, but that's the second phase. We talked about wandering in the wilderness. The second phase is when you get your direction and you know the market and you know what you're trying to accomplish, then you don't, you cease to be a normal human being. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, uh, Corey Rudel, you know, great Canadian, uh, great internet marketer. He had his bed, he had his desk at the end of his bed. So he literally would wake up in his pajamas, walk to his desk and get to work. Yep. Uh, in the early years, obviously, that, that, that's not something that you can sustain. But this is an important thing. The idea that you can get there without a period of just complete hair on fire, around the clock, not hanging out with the buddies, not watching TV, you know, just this is it. This is what you're doing. You're, you're eating, drinking, breathing, and working. Yep. Um, that is kind of a necessary uh, uh, rite of passage that you kind of need to get the critical mass to have a business that you can actually live on. And even if you're doing all the right things, you have the same thing as well. Like that's, it's not that you're doing something wrong. If you get put in that case, even if you have all the automation, all the tools, I mean, if you're really committed to it, you're going to be like that regardless, because even with all the automation and the scalability and it's all digital delivery or whatever your business is, you're, you're, there's still going to be problems. You're still going to be wanting to fan the fames. And when it's on, it's on and you like that's you know you need to just eat eat more sleep less and just get the work done and grow this thing while you can um yeah because you know it, it, it the, you know the winds winds blow and winds die down and and if you're lucky enough to catch a wind wow stay up all night and and and, and keep the sails up and, and you know think about i mean the, not the selling sails but the sails of the ship um think about the silicon valley guys They've got all the technical prowess in the universe. I mean, they they have like you know on-site staffs of coders, yep. 
they're working like that yep. in the critical mass stage in, in, in the phase two. Phase one is figuring out what the heck you want to do. Phase two is you found what you want to do. You're getting a good feedback from the market. You see what to build and what to market. Now is when you go nuts. Yep. And how long do you do that? You do that until there's enough money coming in that you can start hiring people to take over pieces of it. Because mm. you know, well, the ultimate goal, and, and, and Daryl, you're, you're really good at this, is you've got the people in, in, in India doing uh, development. You've got the, the assistant in Pakistan managing your meetings and all that kind of thing. Now, that's something that you can't do on day one of your business. Right. You need revenue coming in to do that. Right. But that's the third stage, which is getting people to do the, the, you know, not to diminish anybody's efforts, but it's grunt work. It's work that any one of thousands of people on the planet can do right. so that you're free to think and to continue to research and to continue to network and to continue to draw in new ideas and, 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 and reform them into things that you can use to take the business further, yep. which, is, which is what we really get paid for. We get paid for thinking. I know people, it scares people, but <laughs> that, you know, we, get pe- we get paid for thinking and executing, yep. Yep. not for coding, not for you know, transcribing interviews, yep. not for you know, setting up autoresponders you know, or, 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 or Facebook campaigns. That is a commodity you can hire. But what you can't hire is the drive and the, the kind of mind that's always absorbing new information and transforming it into action. Right, right, right. So well said, Ken. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, this has uh, been quite the interview. <laughs> We've covered so much. It's been nonstop, just all this meat. Um, Ken, I want to appreciate you for your time today. If people want to reach out and get in touch with you, um, they can go to the systemclub.com. Is there any other way they can reach you that you'd like to mention as well? You know, it's the most efficient way. Uh, I kind of, you know, like this is how I met you. Yep. Um, you know, and, and cause there's everybody, you know, you're at different positions in your career at different points. So when you're starting, um, you have a lot of time to more time, let's say, uh, and, or the ratio of people that want to talk to you versus the, the the number of people you can talk to is is kind of manageable when you're getting started. Right. Um, in fact, it might even be negative. You know, <laughs> there might you might wish there were more people that wanted. You know, but now I'm in, I'm in a phase where if I open the floodgates, I'd have you know ten thousand people emailing me. Yeah. So you know, this I'd be frank. The system club is kind of a filter between who's who's taking this seriously and who's not. Yeah. If you're a club member, I'll do anything for you. You know, that I can. You know. Yeah. Um, if, but if you're not a club member, it's like, gee, if you're not serious enough to be a club member, then yeah, well, what, you, what is this? It's not that much money either. I owe so much of my training education to the system club, so that's definitely why I wanted to have you on here, and um, I fully endorse it by all means. I mean, there's just so much, so much value and content there, just in people to connect with, years and years and years of training and, and education and stuff that, you know, the, the article might be or the recording might be three years old, five years old, but no one's still doing it today. I mean, I've, when I was in my martial arts school, I was dominating my local industry with stuff that was like two, three years old on your, in your archive. I mean, it's, it's so worth it. Um, it's, yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, let's do that. So if anyone wants to connect with you, they can reach out to you at thesystemclub.com. Ken, thank you so much for coming on this call today. I so appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned and we'll stay in touch. Great. Thanks a lot. You know, can't have a good interview without a, a great interviewer. Uh, thank you, Ken. <laughs>